You're listening to the Breath of Life Ministries podcast, hosted by Pastor Butch. Shalom, everyone, and thank you for listening to our podcast today. The title of our podcast today is the Hebraic Renewal and the Role of the Holy Spirit in this Hebraic Renewal or this Jewish Roots Movement. You know, uh, many people see the Bible as a message of you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Certainly, that is important. That is in there. Um, and then once you're saved, uh, you're going to go to heaven someday. So I remember Brother Hagen used to say, uh, there's more to God than simply standing on Jordan's stormy banks waiting for the promised land. Um, the Bible tells us that Jesus came to give us life, to give it to us more abundantly. And, I, you know, I I came out of a, a church, a denomination that, that preached that abundance was money, bigger houses, more stuff. Uh, and certainly there has been, uh, that is true in America. One of the greatest businesses going on right now in America is storage buildings because Americans have stuff. We have so much stuff. Our attics are full. Our closets are full. Our garage is full. We buy storage buildings. They're full. They're full. So we have to go buy another building. So we've we've tended to major on the stuff and we failed while all of our stuff is growing, we failed to grow in our knowledge and understanding of God. We failed to grow in our intimacy with God. And you know, the Bible is is much more, much more than simply getting to heaven. It amazes me that uh, Christians are always trying to get up, get up to God, and God is always trying to come down. Um, God is humble, and humility is one of the greatest attributes of God. God has always desired to come down here on the earth. God was in the Garden of Eden. Amen. Um, God, in the most humble act, that mankind has ever known. God, the creator of the universe, the Melech Ha'olam, the king of the universe, humbled himself and came down in the person of his son, Jesus, to die for you and I. <laughs> Praise God. That's the greatest act of humility. And Dwight Pryor, a mentor of mine, of, of blessed memory, we miss him. He always described the humility of God as like water. He said, you pour water on a floor, it will run to the lowest place. And he described the humility of God, that God is always looking for that person who is humble in heart. You know, James said that God draws, God resists the proud, but he draws near the humble. And it humbles me to think, when I think about the heart of God and how this creator of the universe, the Melech Ha'olam, king of the universe, how he is interested in me, just like he's interested in you. His heart's desire is towards you. But this Bible, 
And, and I want to talk about that a little more. But this Bible is about a land. It's about a people. It's about their language and their culture. It's about their literature. It's about their relationship with God. Why should I be concerned about my Hebraic heritage? Why should I be concerned about, uh, about the land of Israel, about the culture of Israel, their language? Because that is the stage in which your Messiah, your Savior, Jesus, stepped into this world on. And it can teach us. Paul said, Paul said we should study those things in the Hebrew Bible. He said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He said that everything that happened to the children of Israel happened for our example. God was is teaching us still today uh, out of that Hebrew Bible. And uh, it amazes me how many people don't really read your Bible. I want to get to heaven. I got a busy life. I got to get to heaven. When God is always wooing, always drawing, always desiring to have a relationship with you. And if you if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to Psalm 8, the psalmist says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. Now the word for man there in verse 4 is enosh. It means weak and frail. So the psalmist, he is enjoying God's creation. He's looking at the universe and all that God has created. And he says, he, he the psalmist himself is in awe of creation. And he says, but God, shouldn't you be proud of what you've done? Shouldn't you be in awe of your creation? And he says, you're not, you're not in awe of what you've created. Your heart's desire, your focus, your mind is on this little weak man, Enosh. And he says, you're so mindful of him that you visited the Ben-Hadam, or the Son of Man. Now, the word visit in Hebrew is the word pagod, and I am not a Hebrew scholar. I, I have some tools I can look up words. Um, and so, but the word pagod can mean uh, to visit an acquaintance, but it can also mean to strike. So the psalmist is declaring the heart of God here by saying, look at all you've created, but your heart, Father, is on this weak and frail man, so much so that you have struck the Benadon, Jesus. That, that shows you the heart of God. And Jesus came to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. He wasn't talking about stuff. He was talking about your intimacy with the Father and the Son. You can have as much Intimacy with God as you're willing to put in to the relationship. The word covenant. The word covenant requires relationship between the parties of that covenant. And one time, my wife and I, we hadn't been married very long. And when I would work midnight shift and I'd get home and the kids would be going out to school, 
she and I would go have breakfast somewhere. And I asked her one day, I said, you want to, you want to go have breakfast? And she said, no, no, I don't think so. I said, why not? She said, well, are you going to take the newspaper? I said, well, yeah, I always take the newspaper. She said, well, I don't want to sit there and watch you read the newspaper. She said, if you're going to leave the newspaper behind and we're going to talk, she said, I'm all in, I'll go. And that made me realize that she, she wanted my time. She wanted to speak to me. She wanted my attention. And you know, that's the same way with God, your relationship with God. You need to speak to God. You need to be aware of God. He is amazing. And we, he is infinite. We are finite. He's unlimited. We are limited. Yet he chose to reveal himself to us. Uh, that is just absolutely, in my book, awesome. So I want to show you one other verse of scripture before I get to, to the message of this podcast. Um, in looking at the heart's desire of God, in Exodus 40, verse 34, it says, And the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting, because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Where was the tabernacle at? The tabernacle was encamped in the middle of the children of Israel. There were, there were three tribes on the east, three on the west, three on the north, three on the south. And the tabernacle was in the dead center of that encampment. And there was a pillar of cloud, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night that expressed or was the proof that God's presence was in their midst. That's God's desire. That's God's heart is to be in the midst of his people. He That has always been. He was in the garden. He's now with the children of Israel. And then when Jesus sits down at the right hand of God and Peter testifies in Acts chapter two, he says, this you see and hear is proof positive that this Jesus whom you crucified is now seated at the right hand of the father and is pouring out his spirit. Now the spirit of God is living in the hearts of his people. When Jesus hung on the cross, the veil that when he said it is finished and the veil that temple rent in half, I believe, I believe that that veil symbolized access denied. Let me go back. When God placed Adam and Eve out of the garden, he guarded the entrance to the garden with two cherubim. When God gives instruction or Moshe, or Moses, to build the tabernacle, what are the images that he has put on, the, on that veil, on that temple? He has cherubim on that temple. The same cherubim that denied access to Adam and Eve back into the garden after they had sinned were on the veil of that temple, on the veil of that 
tabernacle that housed, behind the veil, housed the ark of God or the presence of God. And it symbolized access denied. But when Jesus hanging on a cross, when he says it's finished and the veil of that temple tears in half, it symbolized that no more is access to God's presence going to be denied. Now that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, he's poured out the promise of that Holy Spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit that we relate to God as Father. And that's what I think this whole Jewish root, Hebraic heritage movement is about, is that through the Holy Spirit, through the study of the Jewish roots of Jesus, and through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, God wants to restore himself as Father. You know, I come out of a Pentecostal charismatic background, and, you know, we're, we are all about praying in tongues. We're all about the gift of all the gifts of the, the Holy Spirit. We're about dancing. We're about laughing. We're about having a great time worshiping God. But more than those things, the Holy Spirit wants to restore in this last hour. And I, I, I believe that we very well may be the generation to see Jesus, but I believe that through the Hebraic heritage or the Jewish roots movement, God's going to pour his spirit out. And that spirit is to restore God as father in the hearts of his people. We don't have an encampment anymore like Moses did. But God has placed his spirit in our hearts. Whew, glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, let's get. Let's get to the message of this podcast. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections or desires. So Paul's telling them, listen, you're, you're not restricted. You're not restricted by us, by our teaching. You know, your, your growth in God, you understanding and growing in your knowledge of God, it's not being restricted by us. Your intimacy with God is not being restricted by us. It's being restricted by your affections and your desires. So I ask you, if you're listening to this podcast, I ask you right now, what, what is it in your life that is more important than your relationship with God, with having intimacy with God? I mean, we know that the pre in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. We're talking about joy unspeakable and full of glory. So Paul's telling them, if you're not growing in your knowledge, understanding of God, it's your affections. It's what your heart is set on. He says, now in return for the same, I speak as to children. You also be open. Open your heart to God. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness and what accord has Messiah with Belial or what part has a believer with an unbeliever and what agreement has the temple of God with idols for you are the temple of the living God 
as God has said. I like how Paul refers to God here. You're the temple of the living God. You're the temple of the God of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. You're the temple of, of the living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he says, I will dwell in them, hallelujah, and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 17, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Praise his mighty, mighty name. Paul is drawing his imagery here, this scripture. He's drawing from Ezekiel 37, verses 26 through 27, where, where the prophet promises that God, God is going to pour out his spirit and God is going to dwell with his people. And then in verse 18, he's drawing from 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 14. And, and if you don't mind, I'd like to turn there real quick. I'd like to turn there real quick. 2 Samuel <clears throat> chapter 7. This is the story of David wants to build God a house, a temple. But because he's a man of war, God says, no, I'm not, I'm not going to let you build me, build me a house, but we'll let your son build me a house. And then he says in verse 10 of 2 Samuel chapter 7, Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. I'm telling you, folks, that is happening. Jews have come from all over the world. There's over 9 million people in the land of Israel today. That's the most in modern times. Nor shall the sons of the wicked oppress them anymore as previously. Israel's not going to move again. They're there. They're planted there forever, the Jewish people. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies, also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. Talking to David now. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed. Seed, singular. Talking about one person. After you, who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Can't be Solomon. Solomon's throne did not last forever. Verse 14, I will be his father and he shall be my son. Whoo. God promises David. He promises David that I'm going to build you a house. Now, David's house here, he's actually talking about a kingdom. Okay. God says, I'm going to build you a kingdom. And he says that your seed will be, a, he said, uh, your seed after you who will come from you, he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. That's kind of the vision we see in Daniel chapter seven 
when we see the son of man appear and we see a kingdom and dominion given to him an everlasting kingdom that would last forever we hear god's telling david it's going to be from your uh from your seed that i'm going to raise up someone to sit on your throne and that i am going to establish your kingdom and i love what he says and i will be a father to him and he will be a son to me jesus got in a lot of trouble with the Pharisees when he referred to God, not as Avinu, which would be our father, or Malkinu, which would be our king. He referred to God as Avi, my father. You know, folks, I think you should get in the habit every morning several times a day, just referring to God as Avi, my father, my father. Make it personal with God. In John 17, John 17, I'm telling you folks, we're not experiencing God the way we should because our affections are on other things and not on our relationship with him. In John 17, Got to turn over there. John 17. Verse 20. Well, let's start in verse 24. Jesus says, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. I'm going to go back to verse 24. He says, which you have given me, Jesus says, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. And he tell, he's praying for us that we could know him as father, just like, or that we could experience the love of our heavenly father just as he has experienced it as his son. And how are we going to experience the love of our heavenly father? Well, if, if you're right there, we're in John. I want to go back to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. God tells us that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts one to another. That's not John 5. That's Romans chapter 5, verse 5. I told you wrong. I'm sorry. So how do we experience God as Father? Through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that sheds abroad in our hearts love towards others. Amen? So with that said, let's go over to Galatians real quick. Galatians. And this will probably, maybe this will be our last scripture. 
you know, when a, a minister says he's closing, it means nothing. It just means he's conscious of the fact he needs to hurry. <clears throat> but here in Galatians chapter 4, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit indwelling us and shedding the love of God abroad in our hearts one towards another. It says, but when the, verse 4, Galatians 4, 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Jesus gave us the right to become sons of God. And verse 6 says, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Why has God sent forth his spirit into our hearts? So that we can cry out, Abba. Abba is a Hebrew term that a small child would use for their father, referring to their father or their daddy. It's a term of endearment, Abba. And so God has poured his Holy Spirit out into our hearts in order that we can relate to him as father and son. Because I know that there are a lot of people on this earth that did not have the luxury that I had. I grew up with both parents in the home. I grew up and I still to this day, and I'm very thankful. My father's 84. I could not have asked for a better father. So I've had that example. But there are many people that did not grow up. When you say love and father in the same sentence, they go tilt. They can't, they can't relate to love and father because their earthly father was anything but a loving, caring father. Why the Holy Spirit? In order that we can relate to God as Abba, as father. And Paul tells the church at Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 14, he said, we're to pursue love. We're to pursue love. And, and think about this for a minute. God's love for you is constant. Shouldn't our love for our Heavenly Father be constant also? Be consistent? Speak to Him on, to a, on a consistent basis? Love on Him on a consistent basis? You know, sometimes prayer is not tearing down strongholds. Sometimes prayer, and certainly there's a place for tearing down strongholds. And I believe in spiritual warfare. There is an enemy. But, you know, sometimes when I'm weary, sometimes I'll just sit down and I'll put uh, some worship music on and I'll ask God, I'll say, Abba, Abba, can I just sit here with you? Can I just sit here with you? God's presence is available to us. God's presence God's presence, he desires our presence. Creation, creation, like the psalmist in Psalms 8, creation speaks of God's presence and God's power. One of the things that I'm trying to do this year in 2022 is become more aware, more aware of God's presence in my life. Rabbi Poliski said, the greater your awareness of God's immensity 
and complexity of the universe, the greater will be your awe of him. Amen. God desires you. Until next, next time, God bless you and may he keep you. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode on the Breath of Life Ministries podcast. If you would like more information about our ministry, head over to our website, thebreathoflifeministries.com. Or if you're interested in becoming a partner with our ministry, go to thebreathoflifeministries.com forward slash partner. Don't forget to share today's episode with someone who you think needs to hear it and follow us on social media. Thank you again. And until next time.